0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSC. Welcome back once again. It is Christmas week. So appropriately, we are doing Cadillac's Crucial Clashes Christmas week. See, I had an extra trust in there, a little extra alliteration in there. Patriots at Broncos, Sunday night football, Christmas Eve football, how else would you rather to-
1: pads uh, once again? How
0: else would you rather celebrate than a mediocre at best football game on your TV screen on Christmas Eve? Oh, yeah. you have some cocktails, some eggnog, wrap some presents. Maybe you're putting together a, a Barbie doll house in the basement if you're a <laughs> traditional dad at like midnight. Who knows? But we will oh, talk yeah. about Sean, a couple Hall of Fame coaches, two weeks in a row. A couple Hall of Fame coaches. We went from Andy Reid, Bill Belichick. Now I'm giving Peyton the benefit of the doubt. I'm not sure he's really a Hall of Fame coach, but He'll probably get in some Mike Tomlin two
1: weeks ago as well. That's right. We're on a stretch of Hall of Fame coaches here.
0: Price says something about the uh, quality of the games and the teams that we uh, are a little more fixated on the sidelines than we are the talent on the field and the quarterbacks and all that. But Patriots at Broncos, as you can see, if you're watching the video, look at those Rocky Mountains. What a beautiful backdrop for a late December football game that uh, lost. Any luster it had when the Broncos lost last week, they've lost two of three. They had been one of the hottest teams in football. They had sort of turned their season around. I actually looked at it for this. So I haven't done the research across 32 teams, but I'm going to say that their win streak against the Packers, Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, and Browns might be the best stretch of wins this year in the NFL. The The Niners have had some really good wins, too. They've kind of established themselves playing good opponents. But the Broncos were cruising until they weren't yeah they, they went uh,
1: on yep.
0: the lions kind of took care of business for them um but before we get into the matchup and the clashes that are oh so crucial when you're a 3 and 11 football team at this point in the season
1: thank god we only have three more of these <laughs> <laughs> um, we, gotta, we gotta rename we gotta go back to marketing and rename this thing for next season
0: <laughs> no it, no 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 see you're blaming us I blame them. It's yeah, their fair. fault that there's no crucial clashes because they're a bad football team. <laughs> with not a lot of talent that we can match up against the opposition. No, no, no. This isn't a us problem. It's a them problem. All right. We're, you're right. You're right. Okay. Now you're if that's fair. If they get good talent, we'll talk about the critical clashes facing that talent. Um, but let's talk about a couple big picture items as we do each and every week here on Six Rings and Football Things with Mike Cadlick. I should introduce him. W.E.I.com beaten down I guess. heat writer uh, of the Patriots. Yeah. As you can tell there <laughs> in his tone, it's been a long season. It's not like this
1: every year. Is it Andy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. It used to be quite opposite every year. It was a little yeah. groundhog day in the past, but not for losing. It was more just roll out of bed, score 30, win, talk to me in January when the AFC title game arrived. But...
1: Yeah, it was just getting started at this point. And yep. now it's feels like it's already very much at the end. Yeah.
0: used to be the most important games were after Thanksgiving. Now it's the most meaningless games are after Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, But let's talk about a couple big picture topics of the week. Uh, I want to touch on Trent Brown and not so much for his play. Although I don't know if you noticed this, but remember when Trent Brown said he was the best offensive player on the team and he had to poop and that's why he's late for meetings. Um, (laughs) Did you notice that ever since he said he was the best offensive player on the team, Bill has seemingly decided that quote, Connor McDermott deserves to play too, and has rotated off and on at left tackle. I don't know if that's a coincidence. I don't know if Bill actually believes that Connor McDermott deserves to play or he wants to send a message to his oversized, over-egoed left tackle that you're not as good or as necessary as you think you are, but we'll just rotate left tackles.
1: Side note. Anyway. I also think he's very banged up. I think he's very hurt.
0: I know he's all you people like about to defend everything. Trent Brown and how banged hey, up he he's is. Good. He's good.
1: He's good. You'll player. probably
0: tell me that Jason Tatum rolled his ankle. That's why he missed all the shots at the end of the game against the Warriors. And I don't know. Go I to like break, to say to one. breaking Boston
1: for that conversation over at the Odyssey app.
0: <laughs> yes, you can do that. Where I go off on a rant on Jason Tatum, but I I hold. Whether I coach you as a seven-year-old in t-ball or whether I watch you play football at the age of 30 as a high-paid left tackle, I say something very simple to all athletes. We make plays, not excuses. If you want to make excuses, then don't play. If you're going to play, then make plays. Trent Brown make plays, but he's making waves. Bet you he can do a cannonball, by the way. Side note, he does a cannonball. I bet you there's a lot of water exiting that pool. That thing would be awesome, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so we all remember, we talked, I think last week about it, his, uh, comments on Instagram, go someplace where your talent is respected. I'm paraphrasing, but respect was involved in Malik Cunningham joining the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, now this week he's, uh, talking verbally about Malik Cunningham and his comments and certainly standing by them. Um, one of the things he said to sports a to Z is that where a to z sports
1: yeah sophie weller a to z sports sophie
0: weller um talked to him one-on-one and he kind of said one of the flippant lines was like he couldn't even get a red jersey here basically meaning he couldn't even work out with the quarterbacks full-time um he they wanted him to play receiver here which i do think is a debatable decision like should he have been a quarterback should they have tried him more at quarterback from the beginning in the middle somewhere along the line um he also took credit for i told him you know go to the ravens it's the perfect fit i told him yeah. like yeah we all knew that he went to louisville where he was behind lamar jackson now he follows lamar jackson to an offense that actually suits his skills as an athlete and a questionable passer yeah thanks trent you got a future in scouting you really un- unearthed a uh a maybe, gem here that no one else saw
1: maybe when they move off from bill this off season then they bring in mayo at the head coach they'll Trent will retire and he'll become the general manager.
0: Well, at least you'd that have that would the be good. Biggest general manager in the history of all sports, I think. Right. Um, so, what did yeah. you
1: make? What do you? I'm trying make? to think of fat general managers, and I can't. Think no, there's of not a lot of them. Off the top of my
0: head, not a lot um, of them. Certainly not fat at like six seven or whatever he is. Like right. I mean, he, yeah. he's a big. Um, one. what was the
1: dude? Wasn't Ozzie Newsom with the Ravens? Wasn't he a big guy?
0: Yeah, but not Trent big. Just a like tight okay. tight end big. Um, okay. so yeah, he would be the biggest GM in I think the history of sports, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> okay. All um, right. so what did you, what do you make of Trent sort of doubling down on the disrespect toward and, and I want to ask, like, do you believe this is just Trent supporting his friend or do you think this is Trent legitimately saying like, yeah, we were all at practice. I watched him slice and dice our defense. He's, he should have been on the field. Like do you put much stock in this.
1: I I just think Trent like likes to talk when he gets to talking. Like I almost think that like he'll be standoffish and not really want to say anything, and you'll go up to him and see if he has a second and be like, no, I'm good. And then if you catch him at the right time and you turn your recorder on and he knows it's on, he'll just go off. Right. And so a good get a good get from Sophie yesterday, where he was just kind of there and she went and started talking to him, and he just again he went off on the situation. And uh I think I think he's probably right in that everybody thought that he probably should have got a chance because the offense was just so bad for that stretch of games and whether it was Mac and whether it was Zappi, they couldn't do anything. And so I'm sure that like you said, they see him in practice and um, when Trent says he couldn't get a red jersey, he was working out with the receivers mostly, but I'm also sure that he was sort of a scout team guy for, you know, a time or two there. And when he was when he was given the opportunity he probably played pretty well and so uh I just think that there was probably a time that you know they they needed a change and they didn't know where to turn and they weren't going to give Will Greer a chance and so he thought that Malik Cunningham should have got an opportunity just as everybody else did and instead of giving him that chance they elevated him twice they never played him uh and then they ended up getting him you know letting him get signed and so he mentioned it too that um that first uh, – that drive in the Houston game was the most electric drive of the entire season, and it was. Like, he's not wrong in saying that. This is this is your perfect thing. The truth is never mean for him to go out and say, he should have got a chance because our, our offense stinks, and that was the best drive of the season, and now they didn't even give him a chance to play. So I think it's a little bit of a gripe towards the Patriots, and I also just think that it also kind of tells you that – unless there's new, you know, again, management here and a new, a new regime that he's probably not going to be back in New England next year. Cause he's just talking and yapping and saying what he feels. And, uh, he probably sees that it's the end of his time here in Fox Bar. Uh,
0: I agree. And I agree with your first assessment. I do think it's like he, he avoids talking, but he does want to talk when it actually starts. Like there's a weird dynamic there with Trent Brown that I, I completely agree with yeah. on the Malik thing. Um, I think this is sort of symbolic in a way of the year as a whole. I think they totally mismanaged Malik Cunningham. I think they kind of jerked yep. him around. Um, you make Agreed. him the backup quarterback in Vegas, the number two, which, again, I still don't know if they knew the rules, if something weird happened there, either. how? whatever. But from his perspective, ooh, I'm the backup quarterback. Like, I'm a step away. As Bill would say, you're always one play away if you're the backup. But they made him warm up in the tunnel. Remember, right? And then after that, he <laughs> kind of got relegated. Like the quarterback play didn't get any better from there, and yet he never right. really was like. Then they cut him. Yeah, like what was going on there? Like the whole thing was. And then I would say this: if if they don't believe he's a quarterback, which is fine. If you think he's just a slash player, well then mm-hmm. your roster sucks. Your team sucks. Play him in that role. Put him as a put him as a gunner put him out there more right. receiver, but like, let him cover a kickoff, let him be an athlete. And maybe he finds a role in that area. If you believe he's
1: more athlete than he is quarterback, but Correct. you kind of didn't do any of it. You didn't do anything with him, Right. right. You, you just, just paid him a ton of money in the off season. And then you kept him on your practice squad to kind of right. just hang out and jerked him around. And I think while jerking him mm-hmm. around,
0: others took notice of whatever he's doing in practice and are like, wow, you're kind of jerking him around and, we don't have fifty-three athletes better than that guy, and we suck. So maybe do something with him. Maybe give him a chance to get the ball in his hands somehow, some way. So right. In a weird way, I agree with Trent Brown here. Like, I don't know if he's handled this. Oh, well, I do too. But like I right. kind of agree. And and I don't really think Malik Cunningham's a quarterback. I actually more would veer more into the he's an athlete, but he's an athlete. Mm-hmm. So find a way to have him impact your team in a positive way. Don't just Let him do it in practice for the scout team.
1: And he's also a guy that has experience. Like, he's an older player. I think he's probably, and I don't know this off like for a fact, but I feel like he's only probably a few months younger than like a Mac Jones. So, oh, yeah, no, he's he's not like just this. He was at Louisville for like seven years. Yeah, right. So, he's not just this young, this young kid. Like, he can, I mean, he is, but if you know, you're out of the playoffs, you're three and 11, your quarterbacks stink. everybody sees it. He's played quarterback before. You can get this guy ready in a couple weeks if you want to actually give him a shot. Right. You know, why not? Like see what you have, see what you got. You can, you know, again, give him the opportunity, but instead you don't, you like you said, you jerk him around and you you put him on the practice squad and the active roster, and he doesn't get claimed and you sign him and you bring him back. And it's like if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense with Todd Monkin's gonna call, and I can go learn from that and actually be a quarterback like I wanna do. I'm going to go there in a heartbeat and all of his teammates are probably like, yeah, you should, because you did get yanked around here. So I all overall, I think it's good on Malik again. I don't know if Trent, you know, as a, I guess as a teammate and as, you know, this Patriot way goes, which I don't even know what that freaking means anymore, but should he have spoken out like it? Probably not. But he's also not wrong in what he said on, on Wednesday.
0: Okay. So let's shift gears to the other, I think, um, or one of the stories, actually, let's go to the quick story. We're going to get out of the way. Um, Mark oh Daniels, Mass Live. The kicking balls yeah. were apparently underinflated by a couple pounds per square inch uh against the Chiefs. Might explain why Butker missed his first field goal of the year. Ryland missed the field goal, followed up. Some of the kickoffs were short, Rager had a short one that he was able to return. Like, okay, so the balls were underinflated. I I could not really possibly care less about this story. Both teams had mm-hmm. footballs that weren't up to the standard they wanted, but I don't know, adjust, play football. You both did. The game was won by the chiefs and I don't know right. if you have any thoughts on that, that you want to share real quick.
1: So I am from however many years ago it was, I am deflate gated out. Um, so again, I'm with you. I don't want to, we don't have to touch on it too much, um, especially because it was evened out. It yeah. was the kicking ball So your entire game. It wasn't one sideline versus the other, like deflate gate was however many years ago. Um, but I actually missed this, uh, on Sunday, uh, I was finishing my column, and so I didn't get to the locker room right at the beginning. But everybody who was in there said that the special teamers were pissed. Bryce Baringer was fuming. Chad Ryland was fuming. Schooler was all, out of his mind. Well, schooler's uh, always out of sure his mind. Yeah, that's true. He's he's uh, he's got to keep his head on straight. But no, I mean it's. I think I found it interesting that you know they they were upset and they could clearly tell. And I mean you saw it. Ryland and Butker, who's Bucker's like the best kicker in the league, or at least one of them. He gets one, and he, you know, he shanks it from however many yards, too, at the, the, uh, the lighthouse end of the stadium. So, um, I guess, I mean, it's something. Especially Patriots, and you talk about deflating footballs; so it's something to talk about. I'm not gonna get more into it. The only thing I'll say is it was fair on both sides. They fixed the problem, um, and let's move on because I can't have another Ted Walls investigation around this team. Again.
0: Right. Um. Yeah. The one thing I will say that I do feel bad for, though, I think the only person this story is really relevant to is Chad Ryland. Because Butker, as you said, is great. Yeah. So no one really cares that he missed a field goal, whatever. Um, Baringer's and having, he can bounce back. Right. And Baringer's having a good rookie year, might be a pro bowler. Chad Ryland is the one where people are like, eh, do they need a new kicker? Did they blow a draft pick on a kicker? And every missed field goal, you know, people will look back and just see a missed field goal. They may not remember that. Oh, that was that game where the balls weren't quite inflated properly. Like, so...
1: It matters but even a kicker trying to a kicker trying to gain confidence and get you know confidence in the league too in his first season for him to shank another short one regardless of the you know i guess the the psis and the football like he still thinks of that as well as like i still didn't put that through i missed another kick right. like where am i at in my career type thing so uh, right. i wonder yeah, if that, and when that, he can get his head on straight for that too so
0: yeah that sucks for him good but point. other than yeah, that, that- I don't think we need to touch on it.
1: Uh, One thing we do
0: need to touch on, I feel like last week was the week of Belichick, and we've been talking a lot about Belichicks and decisions and um, decisions being made, when they're made, not yet made, blah, blah, blah. Um, This week, I feel like to the forefront came Gerard Mayo. Um, Mm -hmm. So you had a couple reports, Boston Sports Journal, uh, Burt Breer, talking about Mayo, maybe rubbing people the wrong way behind the scenes, whatever's going on there. Then you had Gerard Mayo scheduled to talk to the media, didn't talk to the media on the usual Tuesday conference calls. DeMarcus Covington spoke. Um, I, my interpretation here is, yeah, Gerard Mayo is maybe ruffling some feathers behind the scenes. And I think it's intentional because I think it's in uh, response to the idea that Patriots need to clean house Bill Belichick, anything that's ever been tied to Bill Belichick needs to go. And Gerard Mayo has done nothing but learn at the side of Bill Belichick as both a player and a coach. And I think Gerard Mayo is probably smart enough to say, oh, wait a minute. They're they're saying no one with any ties to Belichick should stick around. Well, I still want to stick around. I still want to be the head coach in waiting. And I think there's maybe a chance he's trying to assert himself as I'm my own man. I'm a young man. I have my own football philosophies. I have my own attitude. I don't just parrot bill's way and i think maybe he's doing that intentionally to talk to players to show players something to show assistant coaches something but probably most importantly to say robert and jonathan Kraft, i'm my own man and what you saw in me as a leader to bring me back to sign me to a deal to basically say i'm the coach in waiting that's all still true nothing that's happened this year should change the way you feel about me in fact Maybe I'm even more different than Bill
1: than you even know. Maybe I need to show it. So
0: that's my working sure. theory this week.
1: No, I think that's a good point because in in everything, at least you know from what I read over the last couple of days from from Greg Bedard and then Dan Graziano from ESPN had this whole thing on the coaching, yep. the coaching thing too and basically said that it's not a slam dunk that Mayo's going to be back and he's going to have to still sell himself to Robert Kraft and say, this is how we're going to fix the court requisition. This is what we're going to do with the offense. This is how I'm going to sort of you know, run this ship that you've kind of, you and Bill have steered for the last however many years. So um, yeah, maybe he is ruffling feathers a little bit and kind of, like you said, asserting himself as, this is how I'm going to run my ship. Um, I did think it was interesting that they didn't have him speak to the media. I'm sure that obviously that was intentional. And uh, look, it's December 21st right now. We have two games left. There's a certain amount of uh, assistant coaches they need to make available every week. He's only a linebacker's coach, according to uh, the the program. So we're never going to hear from Gerard Mayo for the rest of the season. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but no, I, and Devin McCourty talked about it yesterday with the Greg Hill show and just how he thought it was kind of um, awkward and weird for that report to even come out. And he was saying, which I thought it was kind of interesting, just taking it a little bit behind the scenes, where he always thought that it was players that used to leak information. And he's like, I don't think this was a player because – he thinks it's always the player and like Mayo's probably the way he said it was Mayo's always good with the players and he always jokes and laughs and he doesn't think that's changed and his position hasn't changed. And then he was like, I've slowly started to realize that it's always somebody with a bigger agenda. So that makes me think that it's another coach in there saying, Well, Mayo's doing this and that, and things are bad, and they're they're getting it out there. So whatever he's doing, it's ruffling feathers, at least for the rest of the coaching staff potentially in a bad way but maybe the players don't see it that way um and he is he's trying to kind of assert himself as the next guy here so i don't necessarily hate it um i think he does have to sort of be his own man which again mccourty said it yesterday as well that maybe he does need a change of scenery for his next head coaching job and the sort of discrepancy between white head coaches and black head coaches is interesting too and the way mccourty said it was if you get an opportunity as a head coach, as a black man, you have to take it because you saw it with Steve Wilkes and Carol or with Arizona, he gets the job, he gets fired. He hasn't got a chance again. So um, maybe he just does, you know, need to take his talents elsewhere because that's going to be his next and only opportunity. So for better or for worse, that's how it is. Um, But no, I, I think too, like, I wonder how much, he's actually rubbing people the wrong way and how much is just someone seeing one thing and being like, Oh, he did that. I'm going to talk about this and make this a bigger right. story than it has to be.
0: Right. Um, I would just urge everybody actually had a good conversation with Mike Giardi, who works for Boston sports journal with Greg right. Bedard, um, obviously well-connected through NFL connect, uh, network and his previous stops. Um, had a conversation with him on the other uh, side here of the six rings podcast feed where we talked a lot about this and I was really interested into so I asked Giardi what would your uh, realistically ideal um changes be to the coaching staff and what do you think could happen and let's just say it involves Gerard Mayo and he had some very interesting answers to those questions so I'll push you over I need the we need the clicks, we need the downloads. So I'm not going to tell you what he said. You got to go yeah, listen to go it. listen to the, the
1: GRD episode of Six Rings this week. Help
0: a brother out this holiday season. So, yes. uh, <laughs>
1: um, okay, so let's get your listen that. to your listen to that uh, Six Rings episode. We'll buy Andy's kids an extra Christmas present.
0: That's right. You know what? <laughs> you know Ty Law used to say he can't feed his family with Super Bowl rings. He needs yeah. money. Well, I can feed my family on clicks and downloads. So if you do yeah. me a favor and go <laughs> listen to that, it helps out this holiday season because. Those jerseys that my son wants, those NFL jerseys, they're not cheap. No, they ain't not. cheap. They ain't giving those things away. Does um, he getting okay. a Matt Jones jersey? Uh, no. Yes. He, he asked for a lot of jerseys this year. None of them were Patriots jerseys. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're being honest, the only jersey you'd ask for is maybe Christian Gonzalez, maybe yeah. Matthew Judon. Like, there's few and far between. They're not the and coolest. Gonzalez
1: is gonna when when they take out the new yeah when they bring in a new coaching staff he's gonna change to number zero right away.
0: Yep, a hundred percent. When Gerard Mayo or somebody else is the head coach, Christian Gonzalez will have a new number and it's gonna be the first zero in Patriots history. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, so Broncos seven and seven, Patriots yep. three and eleven. I know a lot of people were wondering, oh, is this game gonna get flexed? Nope, this game is staying put. I actually think it doesn't matter to the NFL because. It is Christmas Eve, and I think this is almost like a Thanksgiving game. It'll be on in the background of parties and houses and presents and whatever. Yep. So their ratings will be fine. No one cares that it's Bailey Zappi, blah blah blah. So Sean Payton in his first um, go round, um, bad start, good middle. Now he's kind of yelling at Sean at um, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson statistically has had a good season: twenty-four touchdowns, eight interceptions, like yep. passer ratings. Few fumbles I noticed. He's uh, fumbled eight times, lost five. So he might have an opportunity there. He's, he's a little quarterback with little hands, so you can bat the ball out of his hands. Right. Um, just your sort of general, like when I say
1: Denver Broncos twenty twenty three season, what do you think of roller coaster? Sometimes they at first they were like the worst team in football, and everyone was saying that you know Russell Wilson still stinks, and this team ain't going anywhere. And what did they do? Trading a first round pick for Sean Payton. And then they rattle off five straight, and it's like, oh, this team's going to make a run. They're going to get to the postseason, and Russell Wilson's back, and why would yep. you ever doubt Sean Payton? And now they've lost two or three, and it's like, what the heck is this team? So it's been very up and down. Um, I, I think overall they have a lot of talent, and we'll, we'll get to that in the matchups here. But uh, a talented team that on any given Sunday can lose, like you saw last week, 42-17, to 17, or they can go beat the Chiefs by two scores. So it's it's it, they're very, uh, you know, I guess they're a fluid team is what I'd say.
0: Jekyll and Hyde or whatever yeah. you want to call it. I do think just soup real superficially, like just like looking down on the depth chart, if you looked at these two teams you'd say yeah, the Broncos are the more talented. They have young right. athletes sort of littered all over the roster really. Um yeah. and even the quarterback position Russell Wilson's better than anything the Patriots have fielded at quarterback in four years right now so um he's maybe not what he once was because i i i often thought he was underrated i liked him in seattle i thought me too i thought the seahawks kind of took advantage of him the way some of these franchise quarterbacks are like didn't have a running game didn't have an offensive line from year to year and like oh russell figure it out he'll scramble he'll make plays whatever he already Um, won a
1: super bowl he can do it again type thing yeah
0: yeah and i know some of it's probably his fault too, with his ego and the way things went off the field, and he became his own corporation. And, his but, ego is incredible.
1: It's absolutely it's, like I would like to study it. Like it's one of the crazier things. The stories I've heard about him, it's it's pretty right. Wild. But also
0: not just the ego, because I think that can happen to any quarterback, and like the nature of the position and the NBAification of that position. Sure. But like from where he came from, like short, undersized, mm-hmm. like he, third he round should, pick underdog yeah he shouldn't really have the cock of the walk ego that he seemingly does have but at some point there he became as as Parcells used to say Parcells always said he didn't want a diva quarterback it was one of the Mm -hmm. rules against and at some point Russell Wilson became a diva quarterback he met Sierra and married Sierra
1: was like oh I can marry freaking Sierra I, I think that's it I actually think that happened
0: to Brady too I think these guys marry women who are superstars or singular stars and talents in other industries. And that meant they're like, wait a minute, why aren't you treated the way I am? Like if I'm Giselle, I am the show. Everybody works around me. I am the Mm -hmm. sun. And I actually think that seeps into these quarterbacks that marry those types of women that are stars in other industries and and central figures in their own world. So, yeah. Okay. So let's get into these very crucial Cadillacs clashes for Patriots, Broncos, Sunday night football, Where are we
1: starting in this scintillating matchup? All right, let's do it. Number one, first thing I'm looking at this weekend is the Patriots' pass catchers versus Mm -hmm. the Broncos' secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, The Patriots lose what I think – or I think they're going to lose him. I don't think he's going to play this weekend. Um, Their best pass catcher this season in Hunter Henry, or at least Bailey Zappi's number one target over the last three weeks in Hunter Henry. He's yep. been great. He's been like a huge uh, go uh, take a page out of your book here. He's been a huge thumbs up for this team over the last couple of weeks. Really good. He's you know he's getting open. He's making tough catches. Um, Zappy set him up to die a few times last week, and unfortunately, he goes out with an injury. So um, he didn't practice yesterday. I doubt he'll play. Um, but even if he does, he's not going to be 100. percent So they lose that. Demario Douglas comes back last week. He's been their leading receiver all season, um, but he you know he's still. I don't. I don't want to say he's not 100% because I don't think they're not. I don't think they'll put him in there coming off a concussion if he's not 100%. But he hasn't played in a few weeks. He's still kind of getting his feet back under him. He wasn't great last season. So Zappy is without their best receiver and his number one target this week in Henry and, and Douglas. Not that Douglas is going to play, but he's still getting back under him. So it's going to be a you know a not 100% Douglas, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith Schuster, who might again might not play didn't play last week, and then Mike Kosicki. So. um Another subpar receiving group for Bailey Zappi, who is a subpar you know, quarterback, I'd say, and himself going against Pat Sertain, who is probably the best cornerback in football outside of Sauce Gardner. Um, Justin Simmons, one of the better um, safeties in football, was going to be covering a guy in Mike Gusecki who is not a your typical tight end. He's a wide receiver. And so you're going to have a, a shorter but big-bodied safety covering a, a de facto wide receiver in Mike Gusecki. Um, How are these guys going to get off those two? That's sort of what I'm looking at here. Um, They also turn the ball over like crazy. Simmons has two forced fumbles and fumble recoveries and two interceptions. Um, Sertain only has one interception this season, but that's because he's a blanket in coverage and people just don't throw to him. Um, So it's going to be tough for these guys to get open against this Broncos secondary. I think that's probably one of the strengths of this Denver team is that secondary. Um, So I'm curious to see, and I'll be watching how the Patriots – and if Bill O'Brien can scheme it up against these guys because it's it's a really good unit up there in Denver.
0: Yeah, there was a, a visual. You mentioned Juju not playing last week. Um, at one point early in the game, they showed Mac on the sideline talking mm-hmm. to Juju, who had like a clipboard or something, and I thought it was sort of a visual of like <laughs> – this offense where it went wrong. Like that's supposed to be your number one receiver. He's been yeah. banged up all year off and on the field. That's supposed to be your franchise quarterback in like his make or break third season. One's inactive. Cause he stinks one uh, well active, but on the sideline cause he stinks one's inactive cause he's hurt again. And they just haven't been able to get any consistency, even with whatever you think of Juju and, and Devonte Parker, like they have both had flashes over the last month, but it's like, right. it's one or the other. You can't get both on the field making plays together. It's one or the other. And they're not good enough to to get through that. Demario Douglas has missed time. You're right. I, I don't know that he'll get back to where he was, where he was trending before the concussion. Right. Um, and he then, also
1: he also had an interesting comment last week too that basically said the Patriots were trying to push him to to call it for the rest of the season. And he oh, said, that, "I missed." Uh, that. Yeah, yeah. He said uh, they tried to they tried to basically the way he said it, and this is paraphrasing, but. He said something along the lines of they tried to get me to sit out, but I couldn't do that. I wanted to keep playing football. So,
0: so they are tanking. Good, good to know. I appreciate the tanking effort.
1: again. I, I, and I know, I, I don't know if that's so much trying to lose or being like it doesn't matter as much as it's okay. This is our best wide receiver coming off his second head injury of the season. Maybe we should make sure his brain doesn't turn into mush by, by New Year. Sure.
0: But, and if they were fighting for a playoff spot or a number one seed, they would tell me get back out play there. Play. Your head
1: doesn't matter. I'm so, just saying. <laughs> all right, you got me there.
0: I watched Julian Edelman in a Super Bowl get the all absolute right. snot kicked out of him. They didn't tell him to like, hey, why don't you go take a couple plays off? They said get back out there. So yep. all um, right, fair. You can manipulate things. Um, the, the one thing I would say is as you look at whatever the passing game is going to be against a good pass defense with good players, um, on paper, you can run the ball against the, the Broncos and the sure. Patriots. On paper, the run game has been their strength. My guy, Kevin Harris, brought to the what active roster permanently now. Big thighs, big arms, big contributions <laughs> are coming. Um, but Bill O'Brien mentioned everyone knows that the run game is their strength. That they Other teams have been blitzing on early downs basically because they're like, well, if it's a run play, it's a run blitz, and we want more bodies just flying around. If it's a pass play, well – We'll get after your young quarterback and see how he reacts to being pressured. So my guess is they're going to be blitzed, and the Broncos' defense will be in the box and aggressive early. The, they need to make some plays in the passing game to open 100%. things up. It, it's just – I don't know who it is because if Juju's not out – you know, maybe it's Parker who actually got off to a decent start early last week mm-hmm. with Henry. Those two were kind of the early first-half passing game success. But they're going to get blitzed. They're going to get aggressive boxes. They need to make some plays, and I don't know if they're capable against a pretty good secondary, pretty mm-hmm. talented, but if they're going to have a shot to win this game, I also don't know if people even want them to win the game. Like, this is where we get in that weird area I know. of whatever. But, yes, I, I agree with you. The talent deficit they face in the passing game is real. Can they run the ball? Can they beat a couple blitzes? We'll find out. So, Cadillac's crucial clashes, number two for Sunday, Christmas Eve.
1: It's another Patriots talent deficit against um, a pretty good – uh, Broncos room and we're going with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy versus the Patriots cornerbacks. So flip it um, the other way for Riverside. Yep, yeah, exactly. Because Cortland Sutton uh, came into 2023 with, I think 14 career touchdown receptions. And now this season he has 10 in 14 games. So he's become a monster for them uh, in the red zone. And as a, a, a scoring target for Russell Wilson and, um, He's really – his yardage isn't there um, like it has been in the past for when he's been healthy. But, I mean, he's just turned into a complete monster scoring the football. So, Um, And then Jerry Judy is a guy who everybody wanted here. I've wanted here. I still want him here. You love him. I love Jerry Judy. He hasn't been great this year. (laughs) Um, And I – man, I I cover football. Like, everything I – I'm like Medusa. Everything I say turns to stone here. But – uh man no i i I love judy um i do think he can still be a good player i just think he needs some refining as far as like like there's a couple clips where he is like trying to toe tap on the sideline and he like looks like he purposely steps out of bounds it's like he (laughs) he needs some help and so uh but he's still objectively a a talented player um a good guy to have as your number two um which he is to sutton i think he has he has 58 or no i'm sorry 45 catches for 581 yards this season but he only has one touchdown Um, Again, because Sutton has been such a machine uh, catching touchdowns for Russell Wilson this year. Uh, And then you go to the, who's going to cover these guys like JC Jackson now um, on the reserve non-football illness list. Um, Hope he gets the help he needs and gets better because he, I mean, you know, he needs it. Like it's just, that's kind of where we're at with him. Um, You know, he's good. He's bad. He, He gets sent home. He comes back. He says, he's, you know, got a good head on his shoulders. And then what happened last week happened. So Um, you hope he gets himself figured out but then because of that because of christian Gonzalez being on injured reserve because of marcus jones being on injured reserve because jack jones basically worked his way out of town and gets released you're now working with sean wade jonathan jones miles bryant and alex austin and andy hart was 100 correct about his house of cards in this cornerback room this season because that's what we're working with against the guy in Cortland sutton and jerry judy so How do they defend it? Like I look at it and I know they'll probably, it's not all man. And I I look at things through a man coverage lens a lot of times, even though you do play some zone two, but I look at like who you're going to have as your primary defender on these guys. And look, if, I mean, Sean Wade, who is probably their tallest cornerback, even though he looks like he's 180 pounds soaking wet, like is he going to have to cover Cortland Sutton? And then you have Alex Austin on Jerry Judy or, is Jonathan Jones all of a sudden going to have to man up Cortland Sutton? Like he's not a number one wide receiver type of cornerback. He's a guy who is a good supplementary piece. And so the way you mix and match these guys with these Denver receivers, and then they have Marvin Mims too, who's a rookie, who is a stud in the kicking game, and he's also fast as hell. So you would think that if, you know, normally you have Jonathan Jones as your third slot corner, you put him on Marvin Mims and Marvin Mims is a goner. But now you're going to have to rely on Jones to, you know, take on one of these other guys. So it's a it's a hodgepodge in this cornerback room right now, going up against two high end talents at wide receiver, against a quarterback who we'll get to, who's going to be pretty good at getting the football. So uh, curious to see how they they match up against these guys.
0: Yeah, I actually think the Patriot secondary has kind of fought the good fight, given. Yeah, I would agree on on personnel. Yep. And, I mean, because it's been you just said it all over the map. Like it's not just you lose your number one corner or that like they've had attitude issues or time like it's been all over the map and you know Alex Austin is just thrown out there doesn't know he's gonna play and then competes and Sean Wade who basically for two plus years people are like why is he even around like Mm -hmm. he just you traded for him but he does nothing Jalen Mills is now back in the mix and playing a lot so there's just there's been a lot of moving pieces there. None of them ideal. None of them on paper look great, but they've kind of fought the good fight. So I give them credit for that. I do think it's a probably a mismatch in this game. You know, you didn't even mention Sean Payton, sort of an offensive mind exactly. that I'm sure is licking his chops, looking at some of these opportunities and matchups. Um, so they're probably going to need to steal a pick somewhere, steal a turnover yeah. somewhere to kind of, stay above water because I think if this is just an even football game, you're right. The talent advantage is just on the other, the matchup advantage right. is just on the other and side. And a guy in Jabril
1: Peppers didn't practice yesterday too. So yeah, he's a safety, but he can help. He's obviously, you know, free, strong, helps out in coverage a lot. And so yep. if he's not playing either, that's another another tough blow for that room.
0: And I don't think he would just be a loss in terms of play. Um, I think attitude. he's the, the attitude setter and like the we're 100%. still fighting kind of guy. And maybe I'm reading too much into this. I think there's a chance if he's not on the field, then others will be like, "Whatever, who cares? Like it's yeah. Christmas Eve. Let's just get the hell out of here. Get on the flight back home. And I want to go see my family. The season's right. over. We suck. So, you know, my energy, effort, and attitude meter, um, kind of like the meter in the uh, Santa's sleigh and elf that loses its <laughs> yeah. power. If Jabril Peppers is out, I think the that best movie. Christmas movie. By the way, I hundred uh, percent agree. It is the best Christmas movie. Um, but if it's out, I think that meter goes way down without julius pepper i agree he's a key factor there so okay
1: cadillac's crucial clash is number three all right i want to go back to russell wilson we spoke on him a little bit but i mean at the end of the day i would i would say that he's probably the maybe not the best player in this game but the most important player in this game because he's obviously the quarterback and that's the most important position in football and uh, this game and really the entire Broncos, I guess, season moving forward hinges on the play of the quarterback. And you talked about it last week. Sean Payton was in, you know, in his mouth, in his face and yelling at him and what have you. Um, after 2022, Russell Wilson looked like a, a, in no man's land with that franchise. They signed him to like a $250 million extension before he even played it down. They go four and eleven. Um, everyone's talking about how Denver needs a new quarterback, but how do you get out from under that huge contract? And why did they hire Peyton? And again, they start one and five, and it looks like crap again, even though he was playing decent football. But then they rattle that, you know, that little stretch off, and it's like, all right, you have something here. And Wilson's, you know, he's older, he's in his 30s. Um, but him and Sean Payton, even though they seem to clash a little bit, I feel like they're a good match because, you know, Peyton kind of, I think, checks Russell Wilson's ego at the door a little bit. And he's like, no, you you come in here and know, we work together, but this is not all about you. Like there wasn't there a story where like he had an office in the, yep. his own office in Denver and Sean Payton was yep. like, yeah, that's not happening. Like you yep. go to the locker room, which the fact that they let that happen is completely ridiculous, but that's a conversation for another day anyway, because we're talking about on the field where not only has Wilson done good this season for Denver, but he kind of owns the Patriots. He plays very good football against Bill Belichick defenses. He's three and one. We all know what the loss was. Um, that Super Bowl where he even he played pretty good until the you Mm -hmm. know that last play of that game like he's he's played really well against the scene the last time they played was the COVID year when they went to Seattle Wilson threw five touchdowns on them he's never had a passer rating under 110 against Bill Belichick I know the teams change I was going back and looking at all the matchups like the first time they played was 2012 in Wilson's rookie year so it's kind of hard to compare. Oh, he played well against them 11 years ago. So he's right. going to play against them. Well, 11 years from like, whatever, but I still think there's something to, you know, playing again, the, Belichick's defense hasn't really changed all that much, you know, it's different players and they tweak things here and there, but he can play well against this scheme. So um I'll be watching to see how Belichick kind of tries to, uh I guess, you know, take down Wilson and if see if he can, he can do it. Because Wilson, again, three and one against this team and he, he throws all over the map against
0: them. Good, uh, good little nugget there, the uh, Wilson numbers against Belichick defenses. I like that um, because he is <clears throat> the story of the game, probably. Yep. Um, you're going to have to somehow fluster him, force him into turnovers. Um, I mentioned the fumbles earlier. Maybe Christian Barmore can get in there, get a hand on a ball. Um, he's been very active, or maybe bat a ball that leads to an interception. He's been he's active. awesome. I love he Christian really is. Barmore.
1: We could do a he, whole podcast on him.
0: And they need to sign him at whatever point they figure out who's yep. signing people and making decisions about stuff like that. Um, I was interested to see that the Broncos like they have the 25th offense, 25th passing mm-hmm. attack, like their numbers aren't that impressive, even though we're talking about Russell Wilson's better and they have a couple receivers that are pretty good. Like it's not consistently playing out numerically um, rankings wise, stats wise on the football field. But I do feel like I don't know. I do feel like Russell Wilson is ready to get the job, even though this Patriots defense has been the strength of the team and everybody's like talking up the defense. And I don't know. I'm not sure I'm all in that this is a matchup that favors the Patriots defense, even though it might on paper.
1: The other thing I want to add to it, too, and I I wrote about this more in depth. You can check it out. It's up now, we.com, crucial clashes. Um, I I wrote it as Bill Belichick and co and company against Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson because, like, this could also be kind of big for Mayo because he calls the shots on defense. Him and Steve run it, but um, this is sort of this could be another notch on his belt. Like, he calls a good game. They go into the offseason, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying that Mayo is going to go into the off and say, look at what I did against the Broncos. Hire me as your head coach. It's not going to be like that, but if, if they have another good performance against a quarterback who in the past has you know, really played well against them, you can say, well, I, I figured out Russell Wilson. Like, he couldn't type thing. Like that, that's another, another wrinkle to this game that I, I, I can see potentially uh, helping out draw Mayo. So it's not just Wilson against Belichick, but it's you know Wilson against this whole, the whole defensive play caller, I guess.
0: Okay, so uh, cull it all together. Bailey Zappi gets another start. Bailey Zappi trying to balance out first halves and second halves. Uh, Patriots defense still trying to fight the good fight, even though if they're undermanned in the back end. Receivers undermanned, blah, blah, blah. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, they're buddies. They like to have beers together, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Uh, how do we see this game playing out? Uh,
1: the Patriots are going to win. <laughs> I like to do that every time we go through the whole thing. And then the first thing I say, it's, it's not good for the Patriots. Uh, I just, I look at, you know, we didn't really get to it, um, but the Patriots just playing one half of football on offense and then deteriorating down the stretch is like, obviously not a good thing. And I don't think that is going to you know really change because they haven't really adjusted very well uh, this season off offensively in general. And so, Look, I, I don't think it's going to be very high scoring, like the total thirty-four and a half. 34 and a half. Like I could see it going under because um, I don't see the Patriots scoring all that many points. Um, it's going to be tough to defend against the Broncos. They're kind of the Broncos are just playing for more too. like they're still on the fringe of the the wild card. Patriots aren't playing for anything. Like you said, it's Christmas Eve. So that's going to factor into this a little bit where if Denver gets a win, they find themselves back in the hunt. If they lose, they don't Where the Patriots. The wins and losses don't really matter. So. I think the Broncos eke it out. I'm going to go with 21-13 Denver. Um, so it goes just under the total. I think Denver covers the spread. Um, and, yeah, I just I, – I I don't see it. And I, I, I've sort of said this on this show every week where until you prove it to me, I can't pick with you. And they did kind of prove it to me against Pittsburgh. They did win, but – then last week they go and they lose Kansas City. I just, I can't, I, I can't back them yet. I, I don't see it. I don't really see it for the rest of the season. The only time I think I might pick with the Patriots is against the Jets in week 18. Uh, besides that, you know, Belichick's last game at home. And we'll, we'll get to that in two weeks here on the, on the six rings and football things podcast feed. But for now, I'm going with Denver 21, Patriots 13.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of things you said. I'll push everybody over to the six rings preview with Fitzy and I and that Giardi interview that I mentioned earlier. All I'll say is um, I thought we saw last year against the Bengals. I thought the Bengals packed it in in the second half as a road uh, Christmas Eve team and wanted to go home. Um, The way the Patriots have played in the second half over the last few weeks, being on the road at night in Denver – um, there were even some players were talking about like, yeah, I wish there wasn't a five hour flight home after this game. Like talking about it on Wednesday and yeah. Thursday, um, I think there's a chance the Patriots could re- perform really, really ugly sweater type football in the second half of this game. Um, in, in like a getaway half getaway day, yeah. let's get the hell out of here. Um, so I think it could get ugly, but it's not ugly a great-
1: sweater football. I like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and not like the cool, so ugly it's. Cute sweater, so ugly I like it. Sweater, just the ugly ass sweater football. Um, it's not a great football game, it's not a great spot. The Broncos are at home. The Broncos, I think, are the better team right now, Mm -hmm. even though they've lost a little momentum. So, we'll see what happens. And they're fighting, like I said, they're
1: fighting for something. The Patriots are
0: fighting, and uh, the Patriots sometimes are fighting, I think, but I don't know what they're fighting for. They might be fighting for the number two pick in the draft, Coach
1: Bill. Coach Bill, maybe
0: they're – or Coach Mayo or Coach yeah. O'Brien. they got a bunch of head coaches on this team. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, he's Mike Cadlick. Read his stuff at weei.com, including each and every week, Cadlick's Crucial Clashes, where he's a professional. He's like Jelani Tavai. He pumps out Crucial Clashes, even if they might not actually be all that crucial yep. for said game that week. This has been Six Rings and Football Things. Appreciate you listening. Happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the football game, if you can, in Denver.
1: Yep. Thanks, everyone.